0: So we're in our Go series and, and really the, you know, the heart of this series is Jesus has called us to be disciples and then to, uh, to go and make disciples to help uh, come alongside other people and help them take a step closer to Jesus and, and last weekend, Danny, like he was saying, talked about world missions and if you missed that message, we have it on a CD out in the, in the lobby at the, uh, uh, the info counter there or you can listen online, it was an excellent message. But today, what I want to talk about in the context of going, uh, whether you're going next door to your neighbor or you're, or you're going to Brazil, what I want to look at today is, is how we go. And I don't mean, you know, what mode of transportation, but I mean, like, what's the attitude of our hearts as we go? And, you know, as we've been going through this series uh, uh, on being a disciple, and making disciples, I know I've mentioned this in a few of my talks, but what is the goal of a disciple? Okay. Okay. We're going to wrap it up here. No, we... <laughs> I know everyone knows the end, but it's to be like Jesus, right? Now you're going... Okay. It's to be like Jesus. It's to think more like Jesus. It's to see people more the way he sees them, to love people more the way Jesus loves people to talk more like Jesus, to act more like Jesus, and it says in your notes there to be imitators of Jesus. That's the goal of a disciple, and Ephesians 5 verse 1 says this, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now you know what jumps out at me is that, that the life that Jesus lived, the way that he lived, was a pleasing aroma to God. It smelled good to God. You know, when I look at the stories in the in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, I don't think Jesus was just a pleasing aroma. To God, I think he was a pleasing aroma to lots of the people that he encountered. Now, not everybody. There were some people who didn't like Jesus. Some of the, you know, the religious leaders. Remember how one of the knocks they made against Jesus was, "Look at the people that that hang out with Jesus. All the riffraff, all the fringe people." And you know, but there was something about Jesus, something in the way that he lived, that made him attractive to people. Or another way to put it is, they liked the way that he smelled. And one of the reasons that Jesus smelled so good was because he came to earth as a servant. Listen to what he says about himself in in Mark 10. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Bless you. (laughs) It was on cue. Jesus smelled so good because people, when they encountered him, there's something in the way that he lived that they knew that he wasn't using them for his gain, right? He smelled so good because, because he was actually, like Jesus came, he would serve people for, for their gain. Here's Jesus, the king of all kings, and he's, he's come to earth, you know, as, as a servant, and we are called to do the same. And what I want to do today is I want to look at uh, four aspects of Jesus' Uh, The servant but before I I, I pray um, I want to throw a question your way just to get you thinking And in the context of of, you know the way that jesus lived living as a servant that 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 was a pleasing aroma to god That that was a pleasing aroma to lots of the people he encountered The question I have for you is this Uh, What do you think you smell like Now I thought there'd be more laughter that's good so we're in the zone, but what do you smell like at home? What do you smell like uh, when you go to work? When and don't overthink it. I, uh. <laughs> Man, my, I have to totally restrain my thoughts right now. What? But think about it. What? What's the fragrance that flows from your life when you're at school? When you're driving? See. As I pondered that question, I was sitting at my desk, and I was actually laughing, thinking about it, but I said out loud, I said, well, I stink a lot. When I look at this this call to, you know, to live like Jesus, to be a servant like Jesus, it's like that is so out of reach, right? It, It may as well say, hey, you know, the goal of a disciple is to walk on water. Like, that's just, it's not. You know, I guess it could happen, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's so out of reach, this whole, this whole call to be like Jesus. But, you know, here's a verse, one of my favorite Bible verses that I, I uh, probably on a daily basis, I'll quote to myself and remind myself. It's Philippians 1.6, and it says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, that's a promise, This is a lifelong work of him forming, you know, molding us to be more like Jesus. And and God, God is the master builder. And you know, he knows what part of you he's working on during this series that we're in. So today, my hunch is that for many of you, as we talk about being a servant, certain people are gonna come to your mind. For many of you, certain situations, maybe it's at home, maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's at work. Certain situations are gonna come to mind. For some, certain attitudes are bloop, gonna bubble up to the surface, right? And, and, that's, and, he, and that's God's way of saying, son, daughter, let's start there. This process of you know, becoming more like Jesus and, and a servant, let's start with that person. Let's start with that situation. Let's start with that attitude. And here's the thing I love about the way God works. All we need to do is he brings it up front and center, is just say, okay, yes, let's, let's do it. And as we learn to do that, what we'll find is that we'll be well on our way to learning to live like Jesus. So let's, let's pray, and then I'll jump into the message here. So Lord, I uh, thank you for uh, a new day. I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you for your presence. We, uh, we just want to tell you over and over that we love your presence We love when you come close. And I pray today that you would bring people to mind. I pray that you would bring situations and attitudes, just just that you would just focus in for each one of us here on those areas of our hearts that you're working in. Lord, just continue your work of making us more like Jesus today. We just welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles at the front and also at the back, but I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, but, uh, um, but feel free to grab one if you don't have one. So number one is, uh, in order to be a servant, here's Captain Obvious, in order to be a servant, you need to have a master. And when we look at the life of Jesus, what we see is that he was, he's a, servant. He was a servant who was totally submitted to the desires of his master, of his father. You know, the, the, the theme of, the, of Jesus' life was not my will, but yours be done. That's how he lived his life. So number one in your notes, uh, Jesus was a humble servant. Jesus was a humble servant. So what does that look like? Well, here's a familiar passage. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says this. Here's what it looks like. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself... By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus was a humble servant. And here's, you know, when I read that passage, and that's such a beautiful, loaded passage. But the picture I get is, you know, here's God, the Father, and Jesus. They're up in heaven, and they're standing there. and, and, And the Father's going, okay, son, it's time to go it's time for you to go to earth and you know and do the and work the plan and and the picture i get of jesus is as he's walking away and he's he's heading to earth as he's stripping off his royal robes just laying them down taking off his crown taking off just all the you know all that his lofty position and his and the advantage that he had and all his rights he's taking he's willingly taking it all off and coming to earth stepping into planet earth amongst us as As a servant, and I, you know, just in this passage, and uh, I don't know, uh, Gary, if you can, if you can bring that back up again, maybe go back one would be great. But listen to the language in this, in this, uh, in verse, in verse six. It's very purposeful humility. Uh, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God. He made a choice. He made himself nothing. Again, it was a choice. Taking the very nature of a servant. There was action. He humbled himself, becoming obedient. What we see in Jesus is this, this choosing to lay down his rights. Right? It was very purposeful. Right? It was a purposeful choice that he made. And, and, you know, and you think about Jesus coming to earth, the creator, coming to walk amongst his creation. I mean, the one who knows everything, who can do anything. Talk about like, the, the ultimate uh, power position Right, the ultimate upper hand, but Jesus, what he modeled for us was he laid it all down again to take the posture and the position of a servant. And you know, when I think about that, I go, doesn't that, doesn't that totally fly in the face of our culture? Right? Just think about our world. I mean, I mean, don't linger too long, but think about the political arena right now. Right? Think about look in business or or just go to, you know, just stand at the fence of an elementary school. Don't stand too long, but just stand there and look in. <laughs> oh, man. Just stand there and, and look. But watch how kids, what's going on, the playground politics, you know. Or uh, it's, it's so natural for us as humans. We're constantly looking for the upper hand, the power position. And once we find it, we leverage it, right? We use it for all it's worth to get what we want to manipulate things our way. I mean, isn't that, I mean, guilty, But that is not the way of Jesus. That's not the way of a servant. Listen to this uh, quote from Henry Nouwen. He says, What makes the temptation of power so seemingly irresistible? Maybe it is that power offers an easy substitute for the hard task of love. It seems easier to be God than to love God. Easier to control people than to love people. Easier to own life than to love life. Isn't that great? I mean, think of your—just think of your routine. Uh, You know, when are you, as you go about your day, when are you uh, in—in the power position, right? You you know, you're at the end of the service, you may leave and go out for lunch, and there's a waiter, there's a waitress, you're in the power position, right? Are you going to go shopping, and there's someone at the checkout, you're in the power position. Maybe, maybe you're a boss. Right, and You have control of, you know, you, of lots of people, or you're a supervisor, you manage people, you're in the power position, or maybe you know, in school, you're the high schooler, and they're the middle schooler. Everyone beats up on the middle schooler, that's just the way it goes, right? But you're, there's younger students, or maybe it's with a roommate, or a spouse, or with your kids, where you're in the power position. Okay, but what would it look like in those times and in those places, what would it look like to take the posture of Jesus? What would it look like to be a servant to that person? What would it look like to, to not use your advantage for your own gain, but actually use your advantage for their benefit? Like I'm like tilt, right? does not compute. But I think if we start a conversation with God, okay, you want to teach me to be like Jesus, you got to show me how to do that. I'm a boss. we got to get things done. Well, how do I do that? I'm a teacher, we, you know what I mean? we got, we, got, we got to do something. Or whatever, whatever that role is, what would it look like to lay down your rights, your desires, your reputation for the benefit of somebody else? Now, I wonder if for some people today, if when you hear this, you, what goes off in you is that's weak. That's, that's passive. But you know, have you ever considered what drives our power-hungry attitudes, what drives our need to win to control situations, to control people. Well, I, I don't think this is the only thing, but I think one of the main things that drives that is fear. We're so afraid there isn't going to be enough. We're so afraid that we're going to miss out. We're so afraid that, that, you know, well, you're on your own, and you better, if it's going if if to happen, you better make it happen, right? Or, or there's, this, there's this fear that if I don't get you, you're going to get me. Right? Isn't that what drives us? But but. It, far from being weak or passive, the way of Jesus to choose to be a servant, to lay down our rights for the sake of another, that's a posture of strength. That's a posture of confidence, of, of faith. See, in saying, I don't need to step on you, in, in saying that I don't need to belittle you, I don't need to use you for my gain. Because my father, or it's saying, I don't need to step on you. I don't need to belittle you or use you for my gain. Because my father has all my needs covered. Right? The power position of a humble servant is knowing that you're looked after. Right? It's, I can give the last cookie on the plate away. Because I know the kitchen is full of cookies. See, I'm putting the cookies in a low shelf. The power position of a humble servant is is the freedom to give because you know that your Father has got you covered. And that's what we see over and over and over in the life of Jesus. And that's point number two in your notes, is that Jesus, he was a humble servant, but Jesus was a dearly loved servant. See, when you look at the life of Jesus, it's so evident that he lived in such a way that he knew the kitchen was full of cookies that he knew that his father had it covered, that he knew that I'm, you know, I'm his boy. He's got it all covered. And, and there's, a, there's a, uh, a time in Jesus' life where he's getting ready to embark on, on the mission. You know, he's like 30 years old, and he's getting ready to embark on the mission that, that God's given him. And far from just laying down his rights, he's gonna, go, he's gonna lay down his life. And remember the story where Jesus goes uh, to his cousin, John the Baptist, and he gets baptized in the Jordan River. And remember what happens when, you know, Jesus comes up out of the water it says in, in Mark 1, it says, and then a voice came from heaven. It's his father. His father said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then it says in verse 12, at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And you know what I see there? It's like, you know, here's Jesus. He's getting ready to embark on, on, on the mission his father sent him to earth for. And he's coming up out of the water and God's looking at him. Looking at him he's going, Jesus. Jesus. You're my boy. Jesus, I love you so much. I am so proud of you, son. Now go. Go. Go do what I've made you to do. But go from that place. Right? We see Jesus, he lived from, he served from the place of being loved. Of everything being covered. And it's the same for us. And I I recently heard a speaker say that if, if you're struggling with insecurity, struggling with jealousy... With anxiety or fear it's because you've forgotten who you are right or maybe for someone some to hear today that maybe you've never heard who you are you've never heard how God sees you you've never been told what he thinks about you what he feels for you and his his promise to look after you for your life for your entire life and all the way into eternity you know look at look at this picture I was painting yesterday afternoon just playing around. I, had a, I got a box of Sharpies. But, um, but a lot of you might, you know, this is a painting by Rembrandt. And, and I love this painting. And the title of it is The Return of the Prodigal Son. And it's, it's a painting uh, that basically captures uh, a story in, in Luke 15. And, and if you're not familiar with story, the story, the gentleman standing up facing us, that's the father. And, the, and, and his youngest son is on his knees in front of him. And, and the father actually had two sons. But this son had gone off, you know, left home, went into the town and just, you know, it, you have to read the story, but he just, you know, wasted all the money his father gave him and just lived, a, just went crazy and just blew it in every way possible. And what we see in this picture is he is returning to his father and the father is loving him. The father is speaking blessing over him, forgiving him and just, and saying, you know, in welcoming him home after all that he's done. Right? And whenever I see this picture in the context of being a servant, etc., what always goes through my mind is to the extent that we've received the Father's welcome, son, daughter, I love you, I forgive you, you, know, I welcome you home. To the extent that we've received the Father's welcome, are we able to now turn and be the father to someone else? Does that make sense? Right? 1 John uh, four nineteen. We don't have a slide for this. It says, we love because He first loved us. Right? We serve because He first loved us. Our serving others isn't because we're trying to earn God's approval, but rather because we are so approved of by God, we gladly serve. It's something that it's we receive. Again, I was just thinking of what Danny would say a lot. It's it's being a funnel. It flows through us. We receive it and we give it away. We receive it and we give it away, but it starts by receiving from Him. And and I think for many of us, and if you're familiar with the story, we're we're much more like the older brother, because while this is going on, the father's older son, he's the good son. He's the one who's working real hard on his father's farm, and he's out in the field right now. And, and But what becomes very evident in the story is that the older son, he didn't know how much his father loved him. The older son didn't know that he was dearly loved. And, and in the story, let me just read it here. Uh, the, the father's throwing a party, and, and he's invited the older son. You've got to come to the party. And Luke 15, 28 says this. It says, The older brother was angry, And wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied. The older brother replied. All these years I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours came back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. There's this guy working, working, working on his father's farm, but he didn't know. He didn't know how much his father loved him. And I believe one of the obstacles, probably the biggest obstacle to living like Jesus, to serve the way Jesus served, is that we don't know how dearly loved we are. See, I think for many of us, we see it more like God has hired us, right? But that's not the heart of God. The heart of God isn't to hire us. It's to adopt us. And that makes a big difference, right? Like, do you know that he loves you? And I know feelings come and go, but do you know that he loves you? Do you know, like, just like it says in this story, do you know that everything he has is yours, you don't have to beg from him. You don't have to earn his love. See, I think for many of us, there's wounds inside. There's things deep inside that we, don't even, we won't even dare try to believe that that's true. Right? And, I, and I am totally convinced the enemy works 24-7 to keep us, to keep all of planet Earth blind and deaf and numb to the truth of how much God loves them, right? And I think one of the biggest things that God is doing in this series is he's working on this, on on, healing the wounds, on opening our eyes, making us aware of how much God loves us. Because you know what? If you know how much God loves you, if you get a taste of his love, of just just what he thinks about you and how he feels about you, we won't have to tell you to go you'll be gone already. Right? That's the natural. When if you experience and encounter the love of God, the natural response is you want everyone in on, to get in on this. Right? That's, it's, but it starts with knowing his love. So Jesus is a humble servant. Jesus was a dearly loved servant. And then number three, Jesus was a servant to all. And uh, probably the most popular Bible verse, John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. We'll stop there. God so loved the whole entire world that he gave Jesus. He gave Jesus to the world. He didn't just give Jesus to the rich. He didn't just give Jesus, you know, to the educated or the people with potential. Like, these people look good. They look like they have potential. Jesus, go to those people, right? He didn't. He sent his son to the world, and one of the things that I, I uh, really enjoy when I read through just the stories of Jesus with his disciples, is in this whole you know, context of being the servant to all, is we see Jesus constantly stretching the disciples' understanding of what that means. Because what we see over and over in the life of Jesus is he, uh, he was a servant to all the wrong people from their perspective. Uh, John 4, there's a, there's a story where you know, Jesus... He's going to get something. He's sitting down in a well to get something to drink. And he sent all the uh, disciples into town to get some food. And, and if, you know, if, if you're familiar with the story, it's the story of the you know, the woman at the well. And, and here's Jesus. And again, remember, this is first century. And, and, and here he is. He's talking to a woman. And not just to a woman. He's talking to a Samaritan woman and to the Jews. The Samaritans were like dogs. I mean, they were like not only from the wrong side of the tracks. They were like Way beyond that and, and when the disciples come back It says Like literally it says That they marveled They wondered Like it blew their minds When they walked up And it's like What are you doing? Here's Jesus talking to a woman Talking to a Samaritan woman and It's like and It's like the, the disciples are going whoa, 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 Wait a minute Jesus This whole good news thing What, you know, this, your, what you're t- teaching us It isn't just for us Like it, it isn't It isn't just for men Jesus Right, it isn't just, it's for women. It isn't just for us Jews. Like this is actually for, for Samaritans too, right? He's stretching their understanding and, and then he throws a total curve at them or a slam dunk is probably a better way to put it. Uh, in, uh, in, in, in Jesus' time, if you had leprosy, if you were a leper, I mean you were the outcast of outcasts. Right, you were seen as just totally cursed by God, people would run from you, right, they lived way outside the town, they lived in garbage towns, they were just, you know, the furthest away, and what we see in this one story is, here's Jesus again, he's walking, the disciples are behind him, and he's walking, and they look down the road, and, and what's, who's coming but a leper, right, and they're like, oh boy, and all of a sudden, they notice that Jesus and the leper are headed towards each other, and the disciples are behind him, and they're going, no, 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 Okay, it was tough enough. We're going to get women involved in this. It was tough enough to open the door to Samaritans. But a leper? Like, and what does Jesus do in this story? Luke 1, verse 40. It says, A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion... Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Like, think about it. We're just so used to those stories that, you know, we don't think. Think. What a statement Jesus was making. Right, here's this man kneeling in front of him, and and I'm sure he was weeping because because, somebody was touching him nobody touched a leper and I'm sure he's weeping because the power of God, the healing power of God, the love of God was just shooting through his body, right, and what a statement and Jesus is standing there <clears throat> with his hands on this man and he looks over, the disciples are probably like 20, 30 yards away, he's like, get over here, get over here you guys and they're all like, who brought the hand sanitizer, right, and they're all kind <clears> of, <throat> and they move a little closer and Jesus is like, do you see what I'm doing Like, learn from this. Could you see who I'm loving? Do you see who I'm I'm touching? Who I'm serving? Who I'm blessing? Learn from this. In the eyes of God, no one is unlovable. In the eyes of God, no one is unservable. See, don't you think, and I know I'm guilty of this, we're selective in who we serve. Right? Think. Like, who have you written off as unservable? And don't just think ISIS. Think close to home. Maybe it's in your home or it's in your neighborhood or work. Who have you written off as unservable? Either because you, 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 do th- you think they don't deserve it because you just don't like them. They make you uncomfortable. You're afraid of them. Like, who have you written off? See, this whole thing of learning to live like Jesus and, and, and learning how to serve people, you know, the only way to learn how to serve is by serving people, right? There's lots of books you can read on serving, and that's helpful, but that doesn't teach you how to serve. Hopefully, um, this message today is encouraging and helpful, but that's not where the rubber hits the road. Even a powerful prayer time, which is wonderful, That helps. But the only way to learn how to serve is to get your hands dirty, is to serve another person. So who's coming to mind right now? Who have you written off as unservable? And I just pray, Lord, right now that you would bring that person to mind. Because you know what? That's where it's going to start. You want to learn how to serve it's going to start with that person. They may be at home, it may be someone at work, maybe someone in your neighborhood, someone in your extended family. But that's the place where God wants to stretch you and mold you and take some of that yuck out of your heart and put more of Jesus into your heart. So Jesus uh, was a servant to all, and then finally. Jesus was an extravagant servant. He was an extravagant servant. Jesus, you know, there's a a story in in Matthew 10. You know, Jesus, he's been teaching his disciples and he's getting ready to send them out, you know, to go do it. And it says in verse 7: it says, Jesus says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Jesus was an extravagant servant. Don't you? I love that it says, freely we've received, now freely give. It doesn't say, conditionally you have received, so conditionally give. Or, better yet, because you are considered someone close to giving your life to Jesus, you have received. So go and give only to those who you consider close to giving their life to Jesus. See, when you look up the, the definition of extravagant, one of the words in the definition is wasteful. Like that's how Jesus lived his life. He's just, and I've heard Danny say this so many times. It's like Jesus is grabbing, you know, he's grabbing handfuls of heaven and just, whoa, he's just walking around just throwing them willy-nilly, all over the place. And what's amazing is how he's loving people and encouraging people and healing people and driving out demons and bringing relief to people. Just all the ways he encountered and helped people. What's amazing to me is that he did it over and over with no strings attached. Right? No strings attached. I mean, you look at, I just turn to the book of Mark. I mean, just start reading the Gospels. And what I love about the book of Mark is it's like the action you know, it's the action gospel. It's got lots of car chases in it. He gets right to it. Okay, yeah, he was born. Let's get to it, right? But you know, I just started looking through the Book of Mark, uh, chapter one, verse thirty-two. Here's Jesus in action. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Now, look, this sounds so cool. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. He's just throwing it all over the place Then you read in verse 40 A little further later With the story of the leper I'm just going to read This little section again You know Move with compassion Jesus reached out and touched him I am willing You know Here's some more Be healed And then further Into chapter 2 of Mark Is a, a, a familiar story Where Jesus is in a house And he's You know He's teaching all these people And these four guys bring their buddy who was paralyzed, remember that story? And they cut a hole in the ceiling and and they drop him down in front of Jesus and Jesus heals him. And here's what he says to this guy, he goes, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen anything like this. this Who is this guy? Like the authority, but just the way he just gives and gives and gives and gives. And you never see Jesus going, uh, brother, before I pray for you, I just want you to pray a prayer. Or before, you know, before we, we you know, give this to you, uh, we, we need you to join the church first. Or could one of the disciples, you know, hook this guy up with a tithing number? Like you just never see that. Right? Jesus is just giving and giving and we're called to do the same to be extravagant servers who know that the kitchen is filled with cookies so we can just give and give and give and leave the results with him. No strings attached. And here's the thing. As we learn to do this more and more, you know, just as he brings people to mind, you know, whoever he's brought to mind today, okay, Jesus, let's start that conversation. You need to show me. How do I serve that guy? How do I serve that gal? Whoever that person is, as we learn to live more like Jesus, as we, you know, uh, see people more the way he does and love people, and we grow in our confidence of our place as his son and his daughter to knowing that he's got it covered so we can just give and give and give, you know what's going to happen is we're going to get to the point where we're going to be loving and serving and giving to people, and we won't even know we're doing it. It's going to be just a natural part of our lives. We won't even be aware of how good we smell, But God will be aware. God will see it. And one day we're all going to stand before him and listen to this. Matthew 25. It says, Then the king will say to those in his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones, then we're going to look at him, we're going to say, what? Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. What a reward. What a reward. Why don't we we stand up? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take some time to pray. But before we do, uh, Pam and Kaylin, they're going to lead us in a song. And uh, this is one of my favorite worship songs and it's called Humble King, and this song is a prayer, and I just want to encourage you as we just, you know, we've got lots of time, as we, as, as they lead the song, just sing, but as you sing, think about what you're singing, and just this, it, just sing this prayer to the Lord, and then I've, I've got some uh, direction I really think we're supposed to go, but, but let's start by, uh, by, having that song, oh, they need a second, you don't want to give me, you don't want to let me do that. But let me just pray. Lord, uh, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for all that you're doing right now. I thank you for all the ways you're coming close. I thank you for the people you've been bringing to mind, the situations, the attitudes. And I thank you that on our own, we're hopeless. We're never going to get there. But I thank you that with you, it is it is totally possible. In fact, we have your word on it that you said you promised to finish the work you started. So Lord, as we sing this song, just move on us, Holy Spirit. Just go to the core of who we are. Just come and, and, and do your work, Lord. We welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. saying that I want to be like you Jesus to have this heart in me I saw Jesus leading in and going that's what I want for you too that's what I want for you I want you to have my heart and here's, here's what we want to uh, do to end off is I believe that for many of us today whether it's been a person or situation or an attitude God's brought something front and center and, and you, you know and, 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 and what you've realized is that God I want to do something about this, but I am so stuck. And, and so you want, I want to serve. I want to love this person. I want to make the right choice in this situation. I don't want to act that way. But you're so aware of how stuck you are. And, I just, and, and what we want to do is pray for you today because God wants to give you more of His heart. He wants to give you more of His heart for you so that you don't have to fight for yourself. That you can let someone else win. He wants to give you more of his heart for that other person so that you'll see them more the way he does and you'll be able to love them and serve them so if that registers with you we really want to pray for you but then i also had a thought of you know talking a lot about leprosy is that if you're here today and if you have any skin issues uh you know acne or you know uh, eczema or dermatitis or i'm sure there's other ones if you do have skin issues i feel like the lord highlighted that to me we want to pray for you pray that God would heal that, whatever's going on. So Pam's gonna continue to lead this song. Just come forward, we've got time to pray for one another. God wants to love on a lot of people here today and give you more of his heart. Or if it's for illness, come on up. But as people come forward, let's have guys praying for guys, gals for gals. But just start coming forward and then then I'll come and, and end off the service. So let's take some time to pray. Jesus we we just welcome you here and we thank you for all that you're doing right now all the ways that you're coming close and we do pray just specifically for any skin issues or we just we pray your healing touch that you would you would clean you would cleanse people's skins or of the you know the irritation whatever's going on the itching lord we just pray that you would touch them right now heal their skin pray for those where you' you know you're healing wounds or Deep inside, or just are uh, giving us more of Your heart, uh, breaking into our lives with Your love. Lord, we just bless all that You're doing right now, Lord. And thank You for Your promise that this is a lifelong uh, process. This is a lifelong work that You're doing in our lives. And I pray that today we take another step towards You, another step into what You've made us to be, what You've made us to do as your servants here on earth, for as, however many years you give us. Oh, Lord, don't let us waste them uh, with any other pursuits other than pursuing you and your kingdom and pursuing other people. Lord, fill us up today and pour us out this week. We thank you for this time.